You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's now time to turn back the clock and catch up with some old friends of A's past, exclusively on A's Cast. This is Where Are They Now? Vince Catronio sits down with alumni of the Oakland Athletics to reminisce and discuss current adventures. Here's Vince Catronio. Well, it's time for another episode of Where Are They Now? And man, are we honored to have Dick Green with us with the A's from 1963 to 1974, the outstanding second baseman, part of the three championship teams in 72, 73, and 74, and still back home in South Dakota. How are things up in South Dakota, Dick? Cold. <laughs> Cold and windy, but the, I mean it's it's a great life up there. I know you you enjoy just kind of getting outside. You and your wife Leah enjoying time. Maybe a little cold right now, but as as the summer comes around, it's got to be fun. Yes, it's a wonderful time in the summer. We we go from winter to summer where we don't have a spring here. Nick, I want to go back even before you signed professionally and and growing up in the in the Yankton in South Dakota. How is how a football quarterback, which you were, uh, got noticed to eventually somebody see your baseball skills where you eventually signed with then the Kansas City Athletics? What what was that story? Well, uh, first of all, we 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 didn't have baseball in high school. Uh, we had a like a little league or junior junior program is what we called it back in Yankton. Um, he just played summer ball, and that was it. And then when football times, football comes around, you play football. Then you, then it's a track season, and then it's, then it's, uh, I don't know. And then it's summertime, and you, you don't think of anything but baseball. <laughs> you know, when people think of of your performance in the green and gold, they think about your outstanding defense at second base. But you started on the other side of second base, right? Shortstop and, and third base. What was what was the process like going from the, that side of the infield to the other side of the infield? And you certainly made an outstanding career out of it. Well, I think uh, every infielder comes up as a shortstop. Uh, normally, that's, that's one of the better players on the team, the shortstop and the pitcher on a little league team. So um, I my first year in pro ball was shortstop and then uh, I don't know why I got switched to third base and then of course uh, then I they want you to play all positions so when you do come to the major leagues um, whatever's whatever opening it is you're re- you're ready for it who was the greatest influence for you uh, helping you get to that side or or trusting that this is the best place for Dick Green to establish himself in the big leagues? Boy, um, 60 years ago, <laughs> it's hard to tell. All the coaches back then, all my minor league coaches, managers, uh, they were fantastic. Uh, all I know is that um, I, I wore out a few fungal uh, uh, hitters. Um, I never got tired of feeling the ground ball. Uh, before uh, practice and and stuff like that, I, uh, even as a kid, you know, uh, we we were outside all the time. We we didn't have the computers. We didn't uh, we didn't go inside. I hated to be inside, and I always had a ball in my hand, whether it was a football or a 
uh, or a rubber ball hitting against the steps and catching it. Or I, I always, I guess I was uh, just hooked uh, for football and baseball. When you got to the big leagues with the athletics, it was in Kansas City in 1963. But as the team came to Oakland in 1968, yourself and Joe Rudy and Sal Bando and Reggie, this was there was a collection of guys that had been together. What kind of team was coming to Oakland? What did you see happening with this young group coming together, eventually what was going to be on the horizon of a great postseason run? Well, um, I was one of the oldest players on the team, so I saw all those players – that you mentioned come in on the team. And by the time we left Kansas City, uh, we knew we were gonna be better in the future. In fact, we, we, just, we just thought we were gonna be really good. Um, it was unfortunate that we uh, left Kansas City. It was a good baseball town. Uh, and, um, but we were all excited to go, go uh, move and go to Oakland, I guess. What were your early memories of the Coliseum? Concrete. <laughs> Was <laughs> it just a, a completely different atmosphere from what you had been accustomed to? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> we didn't think much of the Coliseum. And that was 50 years ago or 60 years ago. Uh, they're, still, they're still playing in the same place. That is amazing. The surface looks great. Everything else probably could use a little more than a paint job. But we're visiting with Dick Green in our Where Are They Now segment. And, Dick, I just wonder, you know, as, as the team – came to town and then you knock on the door in 71 and then it sets sail in a 1972 just b- before the 72 season starts what was the end of 71 like for you in the ball club and your feelings about you know we we're just starting now on what we think is going to be a you know a pretty fun run of, of baseball well we were all very confident that we uh, could win we we had that confidence uh, for quite a few years before we started really winning. Um, 71, what I remember about 71 was, was Vita Blue. I mean, he had a fastball and a changeup, and that's all he had, and then he blew him away. Um, and then uh, Catfish Hunter, of course, uh, 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 and then Raleigh, Raleigh there. Uh, we had, you know, when you have three Hall of Famers on one team, we're bound to be pretty good. <laughs> what was it like playing behind Catfish, the guy that was so precise with his pitches? He knew where they wanted to go. You knew where he wanted to throw the pitches for you to set yourself up defensively. It was so easy. It was so easy. He hardly ever made a mistake on where the ball was supposed to be. And, of course, you know, before the game, you, you go over the hitters and, and where they hit and what count they hit in and and uh, all that. So I, I was always in on the meeting. So. I could position myself accordingly. Nick, 1972 is so special for the athletics. And for you, there was a big chunk of time where you were on the shelf. And I know medicine is much different today as opposed to back in 1972. You had a disc surgery. Uh, you missed several months for the ball club. Just take me through that, to what happened to have the injury occur and all that time away for you from the field. What was that like for Dick Green? Uh, I spent a lot of... Uh time in uh, Dr. Walker's swimming pool, who um, he's the one that operated on me. He was a team doctor at the time. But I I, I think I, um, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, couldn't have been more than two or three weeks in the season, and we were in uh, Yankee Stadium, and I hit a ground ball at a shortstop, and I couldn't get the first base. Uh, it, 
I thought it was a big Charlie horse or something in my butt. But uh, we later found out a couple weeks later that it was a, a disc problem and I got operated on the middle of uh, May. And three months later, I was playing uh, baseball middle of uh, September. And because that's what I wanted to do if we were going to get into postseason playoffs uh, in, in World Series, I certainly wanted to be ready for that. What was it like playing for Dick Williams? <laughs> oh, I got a statement. <laughs> <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? I mean, well, I, they're both. Uh, uh, he was um, probably the manager I disliked the most, but he was the manager that was the best baseball man I've ever played for. He he just he just had a knack for baseball and 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 uh, doing what's right. When you got to the postseason in 72, you play the Tigers, you win in five games, and then everybody makes, you know, all the comparisons about the Oakland A's and the mustaches and the sort of corporate Cincinnati Reds, so squares versus hairs and whatever the case might be. And you had an outstanding World Series, not only with the glove, but but with the bat. How How, how enjoyable was that experience for you? Well... The, the pressure was in the playoffs trying to get to the World Series. And once you're in the World Series, we, hell, we, we were on television. And uh, the, the, all the pressure was off of us because Cincinnati had a, a fabulous team. They were heavily favored. And uh, uh, we didn't have Reggie to play with because he got hurt in uh, the playoffs. Um, but we had a guy named Gene Tennis. <laughs> And the spotlight came on him, and boy, did he shine, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But it's all about – it's a lot about the pitching and the, and the defense. Um, uh, we, we always had enough offense uh, to win. Uh, it's um, – you know, Reggie doesn't do it. Somebody else is going to do it. Uh, we all backed up each other. You're always there with your glove. Uh, do you recall a couple of uh... – I guess, uh, close encounters at second base with the Reds in that World Series? <laughs> I said, people still <laughs> send me that video about getting upset. I, uh, I don't know if it was Morgan or somebody really. It was uh, Al McCray. McCray got me. Boy, you, won't, you don't have that today, do you? You can't even touch him. Hell, you could be left-handed, a 250-pound second baseman and play second base today. <laughs> Was it simply uh, a, a hard play by him, or do you feel like the, the Reds were always trying to be in a position of trying to intimidate the Athletics at that time? Oh, that's just the way you play baseball back then. It was uh, it was a clean hit, and uh, he did come over the bag to get me. <laughs> I was on the I was on the other side of the bag. <laughs> you but had he, a lot of time with Campy Campaneris. That had to be a joy. You two up the middle of second and short. Yes, Campy was a first of all. Campy was a very good offensive player. Um, uh, he, um, I kind of took charge while we we're out there in, in the field. He liked to, he liked to um, have me give the directions all the time. <laughs> he was a, yeah, at first, you know, I, he couldn't talk English and I couldn't talk Spanish. So uh, after the first winter uh, in Kansas City, when right after he came up uh, during that winter, uh, I, I told the front office, is there any way that he can uh, uh, get some English? 
And he says, I think you're going to have to get some Spanish. <laughs> they, they knew he was going to be around a long time. You mentioned you're, you're one of the older players when the team came to Oakland in, in 1968. Uh, what was the influence of Sal Bando on that ball club, your third baseman? Well, Sal, Sal, Rick Mundy, and Reggie Jackson came from Arizona State, and they, they had a good program there. Sal uh, was, was the mainstay of our team, um, along with Joe Rudy and Reggie. Um, what I think about Sal, he was always a wonderful clutch hitter. Um, we had our we had so many players that, that filled the role uh, would win one would um, miss Q the other guy would back him up I, we didn't get along too much uh, uh, off the field but we should knew how to play baseball together that first celebration <laughs> you know winning against Cincinnati I mean I know there, there are still more to come and we'll get to that but uh, the first celebration always has to be the one that, that I don't know if it necessarily means the most, but it, it certainly has to bring a smile to your face. It sure does. It, uh, it was um, really, really something. I, um, we were such an underdog, and, and we, uh, then we got off to a two-game lead there toward the end, and uh, um, it was – I think I, I uh, won a bottle of champagne – from uh, Mr. Finley that uh, year, I he we had a little talk together before the game or before the series started, and uh, I don't know how it started, but he if we won, he owed me uh, and uh, my wife uh, a bottle of champagne. So I think he gave that to us uh, at the end of the, the game <laughs> on our heads. <laughs> Dick, there were times in your career before you. Uh, said goodbye at the end of 1974 maybe you thought that it was time to leave before that what what kept you what kept you playing what 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 kept the energy going for you to to as it turns out you know playing all those postseason games 36 postseason games for the athletics well um i was threatening to retire the last two or three years there that i played um you know you 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 base your negotiations on what you did the year before well I didn't have any not my negotiations weren't that uh, good my figures weren't that good so I just told him I'd retire and that was um, I guess that was my edge <laughs> I guess they wanted me back <laughs> when you went back to the World Series in 73 with the Mets it, it, it seemed like uh, confidence was so high with this ball club that it was it was, an, uh, it was an expected conclusion that you would get there. And you had a healthy Reggie Jackson that year, and he seemed to put on quite a show in that, in that World Series uh, against the Mets and, or against, and, and in the playoffs leading up to that. Uh, what was it like to, to have a, uh, Reggie Jackson really the, for the first time on that stage before he became Mr. October to do the kind of things he did for the A's uh, in 1973? Yeah, yeah that, that was before they named him Mr. October. Uh, <laughs> you know, Reggie's, he's, he's definitely the best offensive uh, ball player I've ever played with. Um, he, he, uh, he could have been a fabulous defensive ball player, but he concentrated on his offense uh, most of all. He, he had a terrific arm. Uh, he, he was just a good all-around ball player. It was a, 
it was something to see. It really was. One one time in Boston, I think he drove in 10 runs one afternoon, and he hit a ball so hard, I think over the right field fence, that I think the second baseman jumped for it. That's how hard I think that ball was. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but um, it, it was something to see. Continuing our visit with Dick Green, who's up in the South Dakota, member of the A's all-time 50th anniversary team that was announced in, in 2018. Dick, I think one of the highest compliments that people have paid for you in your career is that you went 0 for 13 in the World Series against the Dodgers, and more than one of your teammates, based on your outstanding defense, and we'll get to the throw in Game 5, just said because of your defense, Dick Green should have been the MVP of the World Series against the Dodgers in 1974. How did that make you feel that you know, you're a team player? The things that you did were were simply getting the job done. Maybe not flashy, but it showed that those things were so important for a team to to reach that ultimate goal of winning yet another World Series. Well, it made me feel really good. I'm I, I'm uh, I'm very proud of what I did, and I was a very very small part of our team. Um, uh, the reporters didn't come to me after the game. They came to everybody else usually. But during that World Series, I, that was one of my highlights of my career. And the throw on Bill Buckner, you know, you talk about Reggie maybe focusing more on his offense, but by backing up Billy North, it puts you guys in a position to, to make that play. Walk me through it step by step as you watched it develop and throwing out Bill Buckner in third base uh, late in that ball game, which helped decide it. First of all, I, I, I saw the ball. I don't know whether it went through someone's legs or, or whatever it was, but they were – I was seeing the backs of the right fielder, especially the Reggies. And, and when Reggie got the ball, and I knew he was going to get it, I don't have to go very far out, in the in, uh, out of the infield to get the ball because he does have a strong arm. And he and, – he just made a perfect throw, and it, and before before he threw the ball, I saw where Buckner was, and then I took another little quick look right before I caught the ball where he was, and I knew I had I had a chance. All I had to do was make a good throw, so I, I kind of concentrated on really concentrated on the throw, and uh, and uh, having to be a really good throw, and 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 Sell didn't have to move his glove. I think the ball went right on the bag. All the moments you had in Major League Baseball is that. Maybe at the top of the list? That's pretty close. <laughs> I don't have too many individual uh, uh, times, but uh, most of them are team-wise, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Dick, this summer the A's are going to celebrate the 72 team. What will that mean to you to, to, to just relive some of those memories and know that there is a legacy here in Oakland for players like yourself that will never be forgotten because of what you accomplished? Well, I'm, I'm thankful for that, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the guys again. I guess we haven't seen each other. Well, I was there a couple of years ago, but I, I was late for the for the opening of the 50 players or 50 years, so I came there with a couple other guys. But I haven't seen most of them for for quite a few years, and I'm looking forward to that. Dick, for a lot of us that didn't get a chance to watch you play every day at second base, we feel like we did when Mark Ellis was here because he's from South Dakota, he played the game right, a heady player, much like yourself, a guy that you root for, a guy that uh, that you are so thankful that he's a part of your organization. What was it like for you watching Mark grow as a player, the kind of player he became over the years? Oh, I was so proud of Mark. Uh, while he was in the 
minor leagues. And I think he was with the Twins at the time. Uh, he would come home here in Rapid City, and, and uh, the Legion coach and, uh, and I, would, the three of us would get together, and, he, and he'd ask some questions, and we'd t uh, tell him. But one question he, he asked me in particular was, what is the most important part of playing second base or something like that? And I said, first of all, you've got to catch the ball. And, for, and 100% is catching it. And then once you catch it, you've got to concentrate 100% on throwing the ball. Because uh, people, a lot, of, a lot of players think once they caught the ball, they, they don't, they flick it over there or whatever they, they do. I think that's one thing I, uh, I, I, I got to tell Mark. Uh, and he's such a wonderful person. I'm so proud of him. And we happen to be playing we're from Rapid City, South Dakota. We're happen to be playing second base for the Oakland A's, 30 years apart. Amazing. And there's probably what two, three, four people from South Dakota that's ever played Major League ball. Two of the best, for sure. Two <laughs> two people that mean an awful lot to the organization. Dick, you know, as as you enjoy retirement and get a chance to relive some of the memories. What about today's game? Huh? Do you pay attention to what's what's happening in, in Major League Baseball these days? You watch some games and, and just see the, the kind of play that's taking place on a daily basis? It certainly is different, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, I like the way we played back then. Uh, I do watch a, a little bit of it, especially around the playoffs and World Series. Um, I get really interested then. I haven't followed, I, in fact, I haven't, right now I haven't watched the game yet. Uh, we're in Twins country, Minnesota Twins, and um, uh, I, I understand they're not doing that well, but um, I, I'm going to make a point before I come out, I'm going to try to see if I can't at least know the starting lineup of the Oakland A's. <laughs> Isn't it something, though, Dick, it, it, it must make you smile because when, when it comes down to teams that eventually get to the postseason and and have good postseasons like you experienced for those those three straight years with the athletics, that defense plays such a big part of it. Where in today's game, as we know, it's, it's a lot of strikeouts, it's a lot of home runs, it's a lot of walks, but ultimately catching the ball, which was, you know, your signature and you did so well for years is still when you when you boil it down that still matters so much to the success of a team doesn't it yes it does yeah it uh it's a team sport that's what they call it a team yeah dick i really appreciate the time great memories uh, look forward to seeing you during the summer uh you're gonna get a nice round of applause uh, deservedly so for all those great years with the athletics thanks for joining us and uh, Stay warm up there in South South Dakota. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vincent. Thank you very much. It's it's really a wonderful. You know, you talk to uh, players about baseball and, and announcers and whatever it is, and and it's always nice to know somebody that what they're talking about and it gets really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you, Dick. Where are they now with a second baseman, Dick Green? This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 